thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Ryan Gagnon, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. We're going to be hearing from Pastor Todd McQueen as he continues our series, Anchored on the Unseen. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the web. We hope God uses it to encourage and challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. Pastor Todd is covering some really tough topics. Have you ever wondered why a Christ follower would care about the Old Testament? Has anyone ever said to you, we know everything we need to know about Jesus because we have the New Testament? So why does God spend so much time talking about these people, Israel? We've been talking about how we are to be Christ ambassadors to our communities in this series. So why talk so much about Israel? You'll find out, as Pastor Todd explains, we are to be God's representatives to our communities. Let's check it out together. series this morning in Exodus 34 before we segue to 2 Corinthians. We're starting out in Exodus chapter 34. Now last week, Pastor Ryan talked a whole lot about purpose, and it was so much fun. He had all the kids here and preached his sermon with the kids as interacting, and it was phenomenal. That was the coolest stuff, man. And to, to the kids, he taught the Genesis story and answered the question, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And the conclusion is that we are here. Our purpose for existing, for taking in breath, for being alive, to be in God's family, is to be representatives for God. To whom? Do you remember the neat thing that Pastor Ryan taught last week? The representatives for God to whom? To the angelic host, primarily. Because the angelic host existed before Genesis 1. Remember when Pastor Ryan said, <clears throat> Genesis 1 isn't actually the beginning. There had to be angels created before there was, let God say, let there be earth. So God <clears throat> created earth to show off to the angelic hosts, here's how I love. Here is my relationship. And he made the startling point that maybe we know in Zechariah for sure that the angels go, what you doing? So we're representatives for God, for the angelic host, and for our community. God has an established a relationship with you so it's for him to represent him to the fourth grade, to kindergarten. I don't know what grade I'm in now. <clears throat> My maturity level sometimes says junior high, and sometimes it's otherwise. But if you're retired, you have a grade there. You know, you represent God to your community. You represent God to your kids in the home. So have you ever asked the question, 
what's Israel's purpose? And last week it was like, what's our purpose? And then I'd like to propose this morning that if you were to take your Bible and you go from Genesis, I don't want to lose Exodus 34, all the way to Malachi. Malachi. What's all that for? The biggest chunk of God's word in your hand, why is it there? No, don't ever fret. I'm not going to go from Genesis to Malachi this morning. Miss Debbie looked at me and said, don't do that. But we'll answer that question. What is Israel's purpose? And let's start with God creating a nation. If Genesis is God's love story to a crazy family, because if we have families at home and you're like, God can't deal anything with my family because it's pretty crazy. Well, just read Genesis and see how God deals with Abraham and the boys. And by the time you get to Jacob, it's no, longer, no wonder they called him the trickster. If God can tell a love story through that family, God is amazing. And he's declaring that to the other nations and to the angelic host. Here are how I love a family. So this morning, Exodus begins with how does God tell his love story to a nation? And God initiated this rescue of slaves from Egypt by using a team of people. The fascinating part is that they were an incredibly unlikely host, a group to go there and do it. The team leader, Moses, was a murderer on the run with a death warrant on his head. How many of you would look for a new pastor today if he had a death warrant? Said no one ever. But God says, Moses, I want you. And you're going to be 80 when we start this. So if anybody here this morning thinks they've graduated from God's service, we'll just go back to Moses and start at 80. And Moses is the most unlikely team leader. But God rescued a group of people. Why? He rescued his people. He bought his people from slavery, which is where the word redeemed gets its initial use bought from. He redeemed them from Egypt. Why? So they could have a change of zip code? No. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Just go through Exodus and mark down every time God says that or highlight it, and you're going to go through a case of highlighters. He says this over and over again. I'm working with Israel, so the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. But bigger than that, God uses even kings. He will even use Trump. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. He will even use dictators because the evil antagonist, Pharaoh, who initiated infanticide. Abortion's a big deal today, but imagine, hey, go ahead and have them. We'll kill them once they're born. We'll get rid of these slaves. Kill all the babies. And imagine the people voting in Egypt at the time. We got to get that guy out of here. God says, no, 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 I've raised you up. I have made you Pharaoh for what purpose? For this purpose, I have raised you up, God says to Pharaoh, to show my power. So that my name, my fame, my reputation might be proclaimed all over the earth. Everybody, still, we go to the movies and watch movies today about what happened in Egypt. The story is still ongoing. 
So God does everything he does to proclaim his name. This is especially true for an enslaved people called Israel. For they themselves got to see, got to witness, got to experience the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So that why? They could get out of slavery? So their problems can be eradicated. So their checkbook would balance. Why? Why did God illustrate his power to Egypt? To the, no, to Israel. So they know who they're believing in. So they feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. In front of these two nations, now Israel and Egypt, against the backdrop of God fighting against every God of Egypt, God puts on a power show against insects, weather, the sea. And the people walk across dry land to be rescued, to be redeemed. We know the story. But as with most of us, upon immediately God rescuing them from Egypt, and they see God doing all these mighty miracle things, they start to murmur. I like that word in the Bible. Your kids ever murmur in the back seat? Shut up, I said, shut up. And they're back going, blah, 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 blah. Or you tell somebody to do something at work, and it's, God wants a relationship with them, and his kids, who are just recently adopted into the family, are murmuring. And people murmur, and they grumble. But just like God used Pharaoh, he will use their sin, for they shall know the Lord their God. Amazing how God uses all of these. So we've moved down to Exodus, and it's 50 days later. We're the first 50 days after the first Passover. The people have reached Mount Sinai. Here God gives them the law. To this day, the Jewish people celebrate this special time, and they call it Pentecost. Pentecost is when Jews celebrate Moses getting the law. The nation's birth coincides with giving of the law. And as we know, Moses breaks the first set of tablets after the people have once again sinned against God by attributing their rescue from Egypt to something they made with their hands and made it out of gold. Moses, the hot-headed leader, throws a fit, drops the tablets, and God says, come back up here. The times are bad. The times are really, really bad. So Moses goes to God to clarify that, God, if you abandon me at this time, if you abandon us at this time, your reputation will be tarnished. Do you notice Moses' argument with God? Don't, you don't, it's not about us. It's never really been about us. We never really had our act together in this whole thing. But God, if you abandon us now, your reputation will be harmed. So he clarifies that. But to get this, in Exodus thirty-three thirteen, Moses says something really interesting. He says, God, they're having this one-on-one -on -one meeting. He said, show me your ways. 
Show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. What's he saying? He's, okay, Moses is seeing God catch a bush on fire and it never burn up. He's seen God do all this stuff in Egypt. What's he asking him to show? How do I have this relationship with you? In order that I may find favor with you. How do we have this relationship? Because I'm pretty messed up. I'm a hot-headed dude. And my sister's kind of jacked up. And my brother, Aaron. But how do we find favor? If one thing God has illustrated to the Egyptian is what it's like when dad's mad. Disfavor. There was a lot of babies buried. From Pharaoh's house to the slave. Show me your ways that I may know you in order that I might find favor in your sight. How many of you asked this question lately of God yourself? God, I'm trying to do this life thing. I want to know you. I know something about your word. I know that's good, but I need something internal. I need something day-to-day, Monday-at-the-job kind of thing. And I want to find favor in your eyes. I love you, Dad. So what does God do to answer this question? He gives him the law. Here's how you have a relationship with me. God promises something incredible when Moses asks this question. Before he gives him the law, he says this, my presence will go with you. How many of you have had kids that were scared to death to do something? In your mind, it's pretty simple. Just walk across the balance beam. But mom, you grab their hand, and you barely hold it, and the kids are triumphant. But mom, I'll do it if you go with me. How many of us reach out for God and say, if you go with me, I'll talk to my neighbor about you. Okay. What's Moses saying? God, if you abandon us, it's bad for your name. And God says, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. Then Moses answers and says, good thing, because if you weren't going to go, just leave us here and kill us all. But then he makes another startling uh, statement. Moses says, God, he asks a rhetorical question. But doesn't you being with us make us distinct from every other nation in the world? What makes Israel distinct? Is it, their, is it the, they don't eat crawfish? Don't like catfish and can't eat rabbit. Is that what makes Israel distinct? What's the primary thing that makes Israel incredibly distinct? Or, may I use the word holy? Set apart. What makes them special? God said, I'll be with you. One God, one people, you're my people. You're my kid. How many times did you hear in Isaiah this morning, I gave birth to you? How many of your moms have said... I brought you in this world, and I'll take you out of this world. That's what God's saying to Israel and Isaiah. It's his boy. It's his bride. God the Father's bride is none other than Israel. But God's presence with Israel is what makes them distinct. And it's from there God is going to build up on what is the law. 
Remember, the main point of Israel is God's with them. The main point of Moses to God is, how do I have this relationship? How do I get along with you? I want to know you. And God answers that by giving him the law. In Exodus 34, 1 through 9, let me cover this for you. Moses goes back up to the top of Mount Sinai again to get the law, to learn God's ways that he may know God in order to find favor in his sight. We all like figuring out our expectations. How many of you had a really good time when you figured out the boss's expectation? What will make them happy today? I then will do that. Moses says, God, you're the boss. What do I need to do to find favor? What means do I, what was part of my relationship with you that I may find favor with you? God says, oh, I, I got an answer for that. It's called the law. God answers the question of how to be distinct because the God who rescued them. How to have a relationship with God who rescued them. How to renew the relationship once you have sinned. And how to reconcile with other people in the camp when they've sinned against you. Love God, love people. That's the, that's the summation of the law. What did Jesus say? In our Bible reading guide, you guys, you guys study the Bible reading guide, we'd love for you guys to pick one of these up. You study the Bible before we preach on it. We study the same text I'll be preaching. What's Jesus' answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Love God. What's the other part? Okay, summation of the law. I just answered the hardest question I ever had in seminary. What's the purpose of the law? Love God, love each other. Jesus says, here's how you have a relationship with me. Spoiler alert, New Testament's all about loving God and loving Genesis to Revelation, same love story. That is the purpose of the law. What was the purpose of Israel? To be God's representative in describing to the nations around them because they were distinct, because they were holy, because they were set apart, because God was with them. And God said, here's how you have a relationship with me. Put on your Superman shirt, go to the fourth grade. Because you love God and love other people, you're going to be weird. People don't love God. How many people we meet this last week, last week that don't love you? Don't love people around them. I'm almost getting to the end of my sermon, but I got more stuff. So the purpose of Israel. Turn to Exodus 34.10. It's on page 59 in your story Bible if you'd like to have one this morning. Page 59. Exodus 34.10. The purpose of Israel. And he said, and God said, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not been created in the earth or any nation. And all the people whom you are with, all the people around you shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. That's the purpose of Israel right there. Highlight it, mark it. Somebody says, why am I going to read Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers? Exodus 
God says, I'm going to do some awesome marvels before Israel. I'm going to do some stuff with my own people that are awesome and marvelous. Stop there for a second. What has just happened within the last 50 days? Come on, it's Pentecost. 50 days before Pentecost is Passover. What happened right before Passover? Huh, the plagues? Splitting of the sea? There's disease over here? Not over here. There's light over here? No light over here. There's hail over here? No hail over here? And God says, you ain't seen nothing yet. I am going to do some awesome, marvelous things in front of you, Israel. Now, really, pause here for a second. If I was Moses, I'd be like, how are you going to top that action? What's the marvelous thing God is going to do? Is it the weather? Is it pestilence? Is it hail? What's the marvelous thing God is going to do? In Israel's time. I'm still in Exodus. He's going to use people. I want to use guys like Moses. I'm going to tell my love story to this nation. And you talk about a wayward kid. You guys ain't seen nothing. I'm going to do this in front of you. You will see it interact with each other. And then what's the second half of that verse? I'm going to do awesome, marvelous things through you before the nations. So who's God's representative? Israel. Why? What's that? They are distinct. They are special. Because God is with them, he's going to do cool things with them. So the other people are watching saying, whoa, that's Israel? This group of vagabond slaves with slingshots going against chariots. Whoa. This will transcend generations. It's not the first generation that takes Jericho, but the second. And when they get to the walls, Rahab knows what? The story, she's heard the story. And Jericho will fall because their hearts melt. Because the awesome, marvelous things God did through Israel for his name through them. So Exodus 34, let me summarize 11 through 17 for you. Worship only God. As you read the love story God has with the nation of Israel, he will say this a gajillion times. I should have Googled it, but it's like a gajillion. Love only me. Worship only me. Serve only me. Then he says, party with me. Exodus 34, 18 through 25. Only one feast is solemn, Day of Atonement. The rest of them are come and party and celebrate my work in your lives together as a people, as a community. Church, why are we here this morning? We're going to, I love to eat. We love to celebrate what God has done. God is a party animal. Nobody comes to the party without something to contribute. He said, come and party with me. Worship only me. Party with me. Here's the times when you're going to party. Then he says in 34, 29, turn there. Worship only me, party with me. Then 34, 29. Moses has got this info. 
He's coming down off the mountain. Here's how he comes down. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, with the law, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face had shone because he'd been talking with God. His face is on fire. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Here, Mo, when I have a relationship with you, I'm going to stay with you. Here's how you have a relationship with me. Here's the law. Here's why it is. Love me and love other people. Moses is interacting with this, and his face is on fire. Okay, Pastor Todd, but that's for the Old Testament people. I haven't seen nobody read their Bible and a face catch on fire. Glow in the dark kind of stuff, like them glow rings we give the kids at camp. I've never seen that. What's that have to do with us today? Awesome. I'm glad you asked. Because time with people changes people. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians now. Chapter 3, verse 12. This will come up word for word again. 2 Corinthians 3. It's on page 800 of your story Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So Moses comes down from the mountain. His face is shining and Aaron says, hey, cover that up. You're scaring us. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome, what would be brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the old covenant, that is the law, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lays, lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in spirit. Time with God changes people. The exact same story. The people of Israel know this cool story. Moses goes up for the second time. His face shows and he shines and they shine so much he had to put a veil over it. So Paul picks up on this very same image in 2 Corinthians and says, how does that apply to us today? Well, what the law did, how it showed, how do you have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit presence in our life today magnifies that. If Moses' face shone with 10 watts, the Holy Spirit does with 1,000. Because time with God changes people. Remember, God has said, worship only me, party with me, and be changed by me. Same thing exists today. Because change, maturing life, life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, marching to his drum, changes us. Marching in step with the Holy Spirit to that drum. That walking, that active faith changes us. And that's what people see. 
Because remember, God had just got done knocking the socks off the spiritual world and the physical world through when he rescued Israel from Egypt. And he says, you haven't seen anything yet. I want to do work in people's lives. Think about this a second. This grace, if you go back home and you can split your driveway in half and something cool comes out of that, and you get water out of it, and you just, God drops in quail to your house, your neighbors might be thinking, that, that God, she served pretty cool. God's saying, whoa, you want to see something? Let me change your life in your neighborhood, and it'll be more powerful, more marvelous than quail, pheasant. Oh, good pheasant. I like pheasant. Come into your house. So our purpose Because look at verse 8 in 2 Corinthians 3. Moses' face. The Israelites, sorry, in verse 7. So the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory. And then verse 8. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Even the work of the Holy Spirit in your life now, it will have more glory, more outshowing than Moses' face when he came down from the mount. Because God working in your life as you go to work tomorrow, as you raise kids tomorrow, as you go into your community tomorrow. See, we get to have a relationship with the same God who turned Moses' face into a halogen lamp. And look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, because we can look at God, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed, transformed, changed into the same image from one degree to another. It's a process. God is working in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform your life from one degree to the other. We start this spiritual walk as Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow you. And God says, awesome, I got a relationship with you. Now the work begins. It's the starting line, not the finish line. Why doesn't God beam you up, Scotty, as soon as you declare faith in him? Oh, I want to mature you and use you as a representative of my powerful work to your neighbor, to your kids. You're being transformed little by little. Now, honestly, I don't like the transform process. God uses the image over and over again in the Hebrew scriptures of a furnace with metal. Heating it up, the dross comes to the top. And then it's, when it's cleaned off and it's cooled down, you got better value of the metal. We love that image if we're buying it from the jewelry store, except when it's our spiritual walk. How was your week? Oh, the furnace is kind of hot. Praise God. Said no one ever. Except the Bible teaches that. James 1. Peter, over and over again. I am transforming you one step at a time. The history of Israel. Here's our relationship. Nation, how do they transform? Until they get 
Things go well, then they get a spanking, then they get other spankings. But the Holy Spirit transforms us. Why? So we look better? We're a better quality of gold? Then we might be classed as a good platinum or an ultra-clear diamond. No! It's because we are God's representatives to our community. You, this morning, if you can hear my voice, are God's representative to the community. He didn't save you for you. It's an American dream that there's a God of the universe who loves me enough to take care of my problems and give me eternity. We'll cash in on that. It's an American horror story when you tell somebody God loves you enough to die for you to redeem you so he can tell his story through you. Now get to work. Church, family of God, fellow Jesus followers, Jesus rescued you, redeemed you like he did Israel to proclaim his name, his fame to your world. Now, take out your connection card. Grade yourself. What did your neighbors see last week? What did your friends see last week? If you're God's representative, who saw what? Now, there were some times last week that what they saw, I'm not necessarily proud of. I'm there with you. I do not stand up. I'm only elevated because it's higher up here. Yeah, God... I need that transforming. I need that furnace. I trust you. I want to follow you, Dad. So what did your neighbors see? Just take an inventory. Now, well, will you go public with your representation this week? This is a difference between saying, go home and take care of your Jesus stuff and make sure you're good. I got that. I'm, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is go public. Are you willing to be his representative to the public? Because what if Israel said, God, just build a great big wall around our nation, and we don't have anything to do with them silly people around us? No, that's not why I saved you. Excellent that you said that, because we're getting ready to read that. Are you willing to go public? Come out of the closet with it. Now, think of who those people are this week. I know I've been praying. I know some of your stories. But what we need is somebody to go to your neighbors, to your kids. Miss Carolina prayed for your son this morning. And what did I pray? Dear Lord, send somebody that loves you to that boy all the way up in Tennessee. Right? Is it Tennessee? It's Tennessee. Now, amazing thing is that there's probably a mom in Michigan that's got a wayward kid in Ocala that just prayed this morning, dear Lord, send somebody that loves you around my kid. Will you be willing to be that person? Yeah. Write that down. Make a commitment. Whether you turn that in to us or not, this morning, God, I will be obedient to you and go public by... You finish the sermon.
Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.